You've probably heard by now that Americans are having fewer children and our population is trending older. The Census Bureau reported that the national median age of Americans in 2022 was 38.9 years old, mostly due to baby boomers and their children. If you haven't had to take care of an elderly relative yet, the likelihood will increase in the next few years as our parents start to slow down. So I talked with the author of an excellent book about elder care and asked her for advice we can all use to help our loved ones when the time comes for some extra care. I'm Josh Morgan. That conversation is coming up next on The Plural of You, the podcast about people helping people. I'm a data analyst and sociologist living in Baltimore, Maryland, and I'm on a mission to meet as many kind and helpful people as I can in my lifetime. So I publish this podcast on the 15th of every month so I can introduce them to you. You can check out the episodes from the past nine years. You can subscribe if you haven't already, wherever you get your podcasts. And tell a friend if you like this episode. I hope you enjoy the show. This month, I'd like to introduce you to Petra Vagel. Petra is a graphic designer and a transplant from Germany who now lives in Haiku, Hawaii, which is on the island of Maui. Her parents in Germany started getting older a few years ago, to the point where they could no longer take care of themselves as well. And with no one else to help her, she had to take on the roles of caregiver and care organizer from thousands of miles away. After a few years of learning elder care from the ground up, Petra gathered her notes and wrote a book about her experiences. She self-published the Elder Care Playbook, How to Organize Care for Your Aging Loved One in 2021. The book combines her own story of elder care with an exhaustive guide on everything a person needs to get started. We'll talk about some of the contents of the book in a bit. Petra writes with intricate detail about caring for an elderly loved one from the beginning to the end. I'm 44 now. I'm becoming an old head myself, and I'm reaching an age where some of my elders are starting to need help. I also know several friends and family who have had to figure out elder care for their loved ones for the first time over the last few years. And what I've seen from watching their experiences is that the process can be incredibly complicated, especially when it comes to convincing a loved one that they even need help. Petra and I will talk about that in a few minutes. We call that the talk. I will say that one topic Petra and I didn't have time to talk about in this episode was finances, which can be one of the most challenging parts of maintaining care for an elderly loved one. She provides a ton of info and resources for this in the book, like a lot of other topics. Believe me when I say that this book is thorough. So if you're thinking about elder care for someone in the next few years, or if you're in the middle of that process already, check out the Elder Care Playbook wherever you buy books or at theeldercareplaybook.com. I guarantee it'll be a big help. Here's my conversation with Petra Vagel, author of the Elder Care Playbook. I'm really impressed that this is your first book just because of the depth of knowledge. Like there was even a section I was flipping through a moment ago where I noticed that you were discussing the structural integrity of handrails <laughs> for, for those uh, um, <laughs> that may need them in their homes. What motivated you to write the book? That's actually a very good question. I think my motivation, I want to say it wasn't really motivation. It became obvious to me that a lot of people are in the same dealing with the same issues as I have. Yeah, myself included, I'll say that. And, you know, I've been flying back and forth between Hawaii and Germany a lot. And typically I would talk with people, you know, next to my seat and the topic would come up. And when I would tell people like, 
what I'm going through, you know, sharing my personal experiences and so forth, I would very, very often hear them say like, oh my gosh, you know, this is exactly what I'm dealing with or, oh, can you tell me more about it? And and the next thing you would know, it's like the the plane is going for the approach and they would thank me and would say, gosh, I would, I wish you had more time to, to tell me more about this. And it was like one of one of those very, very long haul flights when all of a sudden I dawned on me and I'm like, I have so much knowledge that I can share. And why not uh, write a book about it? Now, I'm not an author. By trade, I'm a graphic designer, but uh, I have worked in the publishing field a lot. Then I felt like, you know, it's, it shouldn't be so difficult and I, I should just try it. <laughs> so that's what I really did. Yeah. And you you did the graphic design for the book as well. And I was noticing the cover looks really well designed. So yeah, I literally did it from front to back. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I said before, there's, there's a lot of information we could talk about in the book because you, you cover so much, but I think one important distinction that I noticed early on when I was reading was you make a distinction between caregivers and care organizers. Uh, when we talk about elder care, would you mind yeah. elaborating on the difference between that? Um, I mean, I have a general understanding, but why do you feel it's necessary to separate the two? The reason why I broke it down or made that distinction is because when somebody is not physically able to take care of a person because of physical distance, you know, you might be living in a different town, you might be even living in a different state, or in like in my case, I'm living in a different country. I cannot be physically available to my mom and give care. So what I can do, however, is manage the care, manage pretty much her life. I think that that is the main distinction between these two terms. We loosely always say, well, I'm caring for my mom or my dad, you know, that that is in our speech. And and I would also consider myself to a certain extent a caregiver, you know, whenever I'm there, I am caring for her. But as I said, the main role that I slipped into is the managing her care. And uh, I feel like a lot of people would be in that same situation as me. Yeah, that that was an impression I got as I read through the book is, you know, those are two separate roles. And it's good to have an awareness, you know, as people are going through their own elder care journeys that, you know, they they can switch between those two different roles and they have different responsibilities in those roles and Mm -hmm. things like that. Mm -hmm. And I noticed early on in, in the process of caregiving for someone You talk about uh, organizing everything in a person's life because you're taking on the responsibilities of a second person. Correct. And one of the early things in that process is having a talk with somebody. It, It can be difficult to get someone to recognize that they need to give up some of their responsibilities. Mm hmm. And I was just wondering, because you talk in the book about how that went with your parents. I think your mother was more receptive to that kind of talk, but your father was more stubborn and didn't want to kind of relinquish some of those responsibilities. How did how did that go and how did you eventually win him over? (laughs) That's a very good question. I think in having the talk, it's almost like a process and 
when I reflect back, uh, I think in our case, it was the same. Like, it definitely took several attempts to bring up the topic. Say you don't see your parents that frequently. Like in my case, I would see them maybe twice or three times a year max. You see how they are getting older and you start worrying yourself about it. And you will want to talk about it and you get a lot of pushback. Like in my mom's case, I think she was much more receptive and probably equally worried uh, as, as I was. In my dad's case, for sure, there was a stubbornness and there was this like, don't even start me. I don't, yeah, I'm not old yet, or I'm not giving up my car, or, you know, what are you even talking about it? I'm fit. (laughs) You know, there's all this pushback. But it was interesting. Eventually, I got them both to sit down and have that, that talk, that really serious conversation, where I told both of them how much it weighs on me. And that I will have to fly back, that if something happens, I am not able to just pack a bag and come over and be there and help. And I asked them what their plan is, how they envision, you know, dealing with something that goes wrong, whether that's an illness, whether that is even something that's failing in the house anything that they can tackle themselves anymore. Like, do you even know what you're doing? You know, do you, you have the support system? And I think once I made them aware that, Hey, actually we should look at this. We should think about it a little bit. We were able to talk about that. And then I brought up things like my parents had a garden and they loved their garden and they used to garden for a long, long time. But it became overgrown. It was not manageable anymore. So I said, well, you know, there is a guy who is offering gardening services. Would you be willing and considering to hire somebody? And at first it was this like, no, we're not going to spend any money on that. But, you know, Mm -hmm. when I presented them with the numbers, it was all of a sudden like, oh, that's not too bad. And I think that one of the things that I did do before I had the talk is I had sort of noticed where the, they needed most of the help. I had already kind of made my internal list as to what I needed to address. I just didn't tell them that. You know, I just knew for myself, okay, garden is an issue or housekeeping is starting to be an issue or, you know, there are repairs on the house that needed to be done. And my mom couldn't possibly do them. She started already with macular degeneration. So that was a problem. And I tried to research services ahead of time. So I, I came prepared, basically, like, you know, uh, if they didn't have an answer as to like, okay, this is what we need to do. I could tell them, okay, this is what I uh, know, and you know, let's let's take a look at that and see whether that is something you want. Trying to make it so that you're still fulfilling their wishes is just sort of a different way of working around their what they're able to put into meeting those. Yes, yes, I find it very, very important. And, you know, want to know your listeners to know that we are dealing with adults. 
These are people with their own wishes, with their own wants, with their own life. And I think as children, we always try to make it better for them, make improvements and stuff, but they don't want to be told. Like when we were children, we didn't want to be told, right? So there's a little bit of a role reversal. And I think one has to be really sensitive to that. That's a good point. And the other thing is people, at, when they get older, they don't want to relinquish their their willpower. They don't want to relinquish and say, I give up and, and you do everything. They still want to have a purpose. And I think uh, the biggest problem I see with people is like they they try to take that away from them. They They still want to have agency. They still want to be able to do their thing. Whether we like it or not, that just, you know, again, I think we need to learn then sometimes, okay, it's been working for them for so long. Why, why are we rocking the boat? So, and that's one of the things also with having the talk is, is to just find out how they envision their future, whether they even have thought about it, you know, and if they haven't thought about it, perhaps to plant a seed, you know, not in the sense saying like, well, mom, you know, you can't do this anymore. You should move into assisted living or you should, you know, that's not the way you want to have a talk. It's it's more about like, well, how how would you like to live as you know, getting older? And, you know, what can I do to help you to do that? You know, I want to be supportive. I, I would like you to know that I'm there for you. And, you know, let's figure this out. Or you tell me when, you know, you need me to figure something out for you. Just giving them the sense that you're there is huge. And also letting them know that it weighs on your mind. I think it's another very, very important aspect. When I did this with my parents and told them that how much it weighs on me, I think that that was basically that sealed the deal. Because it's ultimately a compassionate process, right, where you're seeing that they're in need and you're doing your best to meet them halfway and offer your strength to help them. So you don't you don't want to necessarily like try to put them on a regimen of what they need. You want to work with them. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that sounds like a good way to approach it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we are we are creatures of comfort. You know, and as we get older, the more comfortable we get in our ways. Mm-hmm. And if if somebody uh, is all of a sudden coming to you and saying like, no, we're doing it differently now, <laughs> I guess we wouldn't want that, right? Yeah. Uh, and I've always told myself, like, put yourself into their shoes and, you know, come from that compassionate approach and just help them be there for them. It sounded like it was a gratifying uh, series of events, like flying back and forth. And you would talk to people on on your flights about your elder care experience. Um, Mm -hmm. Is that similar to the experiences you've had with what makes the book gratifying to you? The most gratification I've gotten uh, is from from real life scenarios where somebody would, for example, be confronted with a really, really bad situation. A very dear friend of mine came down with Louis body dementia. Oh my gosh. And the daughter didn't live close to her mother. 
and was confronted with that new situation. And uh, she had just graduated and uh, she was just totally overwhelmed. And when I first talked to her, uh, she didn't even know I had that book. And I happened to have a copy in my bag and I, I gave it to her and I said, look, you don't need to read everything in here. But, you know, I turned her to a particular chapter and said, read this and get on it. Like, you know, I mean, you don't have any time to waste here. And then later, once she got her mom situated, she found a nursing facility and all that and reached out back to me and and couldn't thank me more for the help. That's awesome. That was really kind of like where I'm like, you know, I don't know how many books I'm going to sell, but (laughs) this alone was just so, so gratifying. I'm really glad to hear that happen. And I'm sure as awareness for the book grows, then there'll, there'll be more experiences like that where people are say, you know, I, I guess I'm playing the role of a reader and just thinking like, I'm, I'm looking at the who is who section of like the checklist section. And I'm just like, I, I would have never thought to put all these things together. Right. So, I mean, yeah. you're really putting together a resource that people can use for years to come as they're going through their own journeys. And it, it, that sounds mm-hmm. gratifying to me. <laughs> Yeah. And, and as I said, like, I mean, there are other stories, but they, they're all about situations where your life is all of a sudden being turned upside down and you're confronted with a, with a, a scenario that you're not ready yet and you don't know where to begin. And um, my goal with the book is to give uh, people sort of a roadmap and also you know, show them where there might be holes where they, in their knowledge. And um, yeah, if they can plug those holes, that's awesome. So, you know, there's a lot in the book, you know, you, we cover, there's a chapter on the talk. There's, there's a chapter, or at least one chapter on finances. There's mm-hmm. several checklists. And then of course there's a section on self-care, uh, taking yeah. care of yourself as you're going through the process of caring for someone else. What would you say, just kind of as a, a summary statement, what if someone is beginning to think about this process for themselves, or maybe they're already in the middle of the process, what would you say to someone who is caring for an elderly parent or relative? The first thing I would want to tell them really is don't beat yourself up and get to the point where you have this um, doubt and feeling of guilt that you can't be there. That is an awful place to be, number one. And I think when you realize that there is a lot to do, even when you cannot be physically there and being that caregiver, you can manage the care. And the better you manage the care, the better the outcome will be. So my advice is to start early. My advice is also if the parent or loved one is not receptive to having the talk, do all of your homework, organize your own life, make it so that you can, at the spur of the moment, pack your bag, fly or drive or, you know, be there if you had to. And also in case of independent living scenarios, uh, assisted living, nursing home scenarios, whatever that is, 
do your homework. You don't need permission of your loved one to do that. You can do that on your own. Create that knowledge base. I think that that is really what helps people keep their calm and avoid burnout in the long run. Because when things happen, it is so easy to burn out. You know, you'll be overwhelmed. There's lots of emotions going on. And you might be torn between your own family that you might have, your own life, your job, and then your aging parent. And you're constantly being pulled left and right. And you're not yourself anymore. And that's where that self-care aspect comes comes to play, right? But that is really my advice. Start early. If you know your parent wants to stay in in their place, whatever that place is, um, you can already try to figure out how to make that happen. You know, whether that is in-home care later on, whether that is modifying the house, you can, you know, figure that out in your mind. Again, you don't need permission to do that. You you can just have that in your pocket. You pull it out when you need it. Maybe you never need it, but just the preparation alone goes a long way. Yeah. This has all been really good advice. Um, as I sort of hinted before, I'm going through this myself. I know several people in my life that are either in the early stages of figuring out how to care for an elderly relative or they're in the middle of the process. So the the reason I reached out to you is because I, I just find this book so valuable. I, I can't say enough good things about like all the information that you put in. Um, Thank you. Especially for your first book. That's what blows me away. I mean, I know you've had experience in the publishing industry, but it's still there's just I, I guess I'm stressing to the listeners that there's just there's so much in this book that that's valuable. So I just I'm grateful that you made the time to talk with me about it, Petra. It's Again, it's leaving me speechless a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Josh, for giving me the time. If you'd like to follow Petra and her updates related to elder care, check out her Facebook page at The Elder Care Playbook. You can also visit TheElderCarePlaybook.com to read Petra's blog and order the book. I hope you'll check it out when the time comes. This is the Plural of You. I'm Josh Morgan, and the show's website is PluralOfYou.org. That's all for now. Thank you for being kind today. Take care.